In the beginning was a story, well, two stories, well, many, many stories handed down through generations, teaching cultures, worldviews, explaining why things are the way they are in a way that everyone in that context could understand. On this Labor Day weekend, a break from labor for some, let's hear two stories about different approaches to work, to labor, one from a Judeo-Christian perspective and one from an indigenous perspective. These words are in Genesis chapter two, verse four through chapter three. I'm not reading the whole thing. <laughs> and this is from a translation called the People's Bible. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man, Adam, of dust from the ground, Adama, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. God then, in this particular version of the creation story, God then made trees that were present, pleasant to the sight and good for food, including the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The first human went into the garden, meant to till it and keep it. And then the invitation and the boundary, you may eat of any tree in the garden except. In this creation story, God next forms all the animals of the field and the birds of the air, but still there was not a companion for the first human. So second human, is formed from part of the first, Ish and Isha. Already there is a lot of work going on. And then we come to the breaking, to the why we must work part of the story. The fruit that was forbidden was consumed and the consequences were expulsion from that paradise, that garden, where all was provided out into a world that we required labor to survive. The connection, the community between human and holy was severed, boundaries crossed. The first people were out of covenant and there were consequences. As I reread these passages from Genesis, I thought that the story meant work, that laboring in the fields by the sweat of your face and greatly increasing your pangs in childbirth were a form of punishment for disobeying, for disregarding the covenant with Yahweh. A closer reading suggests a different interpretation. 
Which brings me to a second story about why we work. This story comes from the Anishinaabe people around the Great Lakes. This version of the story is specifically from the Ojibwe people, and I will tell it as it was told and shared with me. A long time ago, when the world was new, Gitche Manitou, the Great Spirit, made things so that life was very easy for the people. There was plenty of game, and the weather was always good, and the maple trees were filled with thick, sweet syrup. Whenever anyone wanted to get maple syrup from the trees, all they had to do was break off a twig and collect it as it dripped out. One day, Manabosho, the trickster friend, the old man, went walking around. I think I'll go see how my friends, the Anishinaabe, are doing, he said. So he went to a village, but there was no one around. So Manabojo looked for the people. They were not working in the fields, hoeing their crops. They were not gathering berries or fishing. Finally, he found them. They were in a grove of maple trees near the village, just lying on their backs with their mouths open, letting the maple syrup drip into their mouths. This will not do, Manabozo said. My people are going to be lazy if they keep on living this way. So Manabozo went down to the river. He took with him a big basket made of birch bark and with this basket he brought many buckets of water. He went to the top of the maple trees and poured the water so it thinned out the syrup. Now thick maple syrup no longer dripped out of the broken twigs. Now it came out, what came out was thin and watery. That may be familiar to you too. It was just barely sweet to the taste. This is how it will be from now on, said Manabosho. No longer will syrup drip from the maple trees. Now there will be only this watery sap. When people want to make maple syrup, they will have to gather many buckets full of the sap in a birch bark basket like mine. They will have to gather wood and make fires so they can heat stones to drop into the basket. They will have to boil the water with the heated stones for a long time to make even a little maple syrup. Then my people will no longer be lazy. Then they will appreciate this maple syrup Gitche Manitou made available for them. Not only that, the sap will only drip from the trees at certain times of the year. Then it will not keep the people from hunting and fishing and gathering and hoeing in the fields. This is how it's going to be. And that is how it is to this day. In this story, a divine being also takes away the easy path to sustenance. The people were neglecting their community ways. This story differs a bit from the Genesis story. The people are neglecting other tasks that help the village to thrive, not just survive. They have neglected their interdependence in favor of sweet ease. So just as in the Genesis story, there are 
consequences. As much as both stories are about why we humans, generations later, must work rather than take our ease in a garden where all is provided, there is a more profound piece here. Both stories are about connection. In the Genesis story, remember, God sets the first human in the Garden of Eden to till and keep it. In the Anishinaabe Ojibwe story, Manabojo looks for the people at their usual communal tasks. The consequence of neglecting the connection or covenant to the holy, to the community, is loss or harder work. If work then is meant to create connection to strengthen community, according to just these two wisdom stories, how might we change the way we work now? Can we change the way we work now? And why does it matter to us as a people of faith? I turn to one of my favorite publications that lifts up more just, humane, and connected ways of doing just about anything. Um, yes, magazine, the most current issue is dedicated to work. Editor Chris Winters in the article, The Past, Present, and Future of Work asks, what if work was something that lifted up and supported our whole lives instead of something that we endure just so that we may live. Does that resonate with any of you? Something that we must endure in order to live? That shift, what if it lifted up and supported our whole lives? If the last two, three, five years have taught us anything about how we as a society view work, it has taught us that some work still is more highly valued and compensated than other essential work. The people most impacted by the pandemic also happen to be black, brown, indigenous, immigrant people of color, people who did not have the option to work remotely or to not go to work because that meant missing a vital paycheck. From the same Yes! magazine article, writer, speaker, and pleasure activist Tiffany Jana, who has consulted with businesses for over 20 years, says, what I think is missing from the workplace is the acknowledgement and the honoring of, essentially, the sanctity of humanity. Everyone who chooses to raise their hand and then come and work for your company, that's a deeply sacred gift. That's an incredibly special, beautiful thing that we have failed to honor appropriately. They continue. Over the last, say, eight, nine years, the pressure has been coming up from the bottom. People within organizations and institutions are saying, Wait a minute, you know, we really love the work. We really love the company. But we don't feel like we're being valued. And they've been demanding culture-based work to help create an environment that is more gracious 
and welcoming and human-centered rather than profit-centered. More and more, our work leaves behind the till it and keep it purpose from the Genesis story or the shared community work in the Ojibwe story. We are not connected to the land in ways humans have been until the Industrial Revolution. I'm not advocating for a full-scale back-to-the-land movement here, although I would urge you to create a balcony, backyard, or community garden trend. What I'm inviting this faith community into, and myself into, and hope you would also advocate for, is a shift in mindset around independence in work to an interdependence in community. A study from Southern Illinois University, written by the director of the Center for Workforce Development, Ahmed Al-Asfor, found that, quote, indigenous societies were and still are much more communitarian. Strong ties to families and tribes keep many Native Americans in close proximity to their communities. That makes for some difficult choices. If forced to choose between having a job and building a career in a distant city or returning to the rural reservation to care for family and participate in their culture, many choose the latter. They choose family and culture over more money and more opportunity. As one participant said, it is all about we, not I. And this is a core belief for individuals living in collectivistic societies. This cultural tension shows up within other communities as well, pushing against that corporate culture idea that work comes first. Even within that dominant corporate culture, we are seeing shifts because of this experience. Union organizing in unexpected places, better pay for formerly minimum wage or less jobs, a move to encourage young people to attend trade schools again. I arrived today from a house I did not build in a vehicle I did not put together, nourished by food I did not grow, speaking about texts I did not create. My work, my calling, is not possible without a vast community around me and ancestors behind me, perhaps within me, I am connected to all the people and resources that made those things. All of those hands and hearts. And the consequences of paying attention to those things, to that work, our humility, a hunger for justice and equity and compassion, and a thirst for belonging, belonging. May you find grace 
connection and meaning in your work, whatever it may be. And be the change that brings the same to all who labor. Aho, amen, and blessed be.